Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches today, and happy Mother's Day. Can we applaud all the moms in all of our rooms? Yes, absolutely. Happy Mother's Day. We're so grateful for you. Now, today, before we jump into our fifth and our final part of our sermon series entitled, It Ain't Rocket Surgery, uh, we're going to celebrate how that you have been a blessing to our community by the way that you were for them this past month, and we're going to show you how that you can be for that special lady that is in your life as well, your mom. And so, um, two weeks ago, we invited everyone to give $4 to bless the work of Gulf Coast Children's Advocacy Program. Um, They are in all of our communities serving their mission is to offer a refuge for victim and and their families to help them cope with the terrible crimes of child abuse and sexual assault. And uh, they also really want to come alongside uh, whenever uh, a woman or children have gone through that kind of trauma or abuse to reduce the fear and any further trauma that any disclosure investigations oftentimes create in the life uh, of a person who's gone through that. In fact, they deal with between 20 and 30 abuse cases a week in our communities. That's just so tragic. So I want to say thank you for being a church that comes alongside organizations like that to help. So here's how you bless them by giving this past month. Blunstown, Chipley, and Mariana, you gave $13,628.39. So you go ahead and celebrate that. Thank you for blessing them by serving. But not only did you do that, You bless them by providing rescue kits. In fact, I think we have some pictures here. You gave 330 or 360 rescue kits. We got some pictures of that as well, of all the rescue kits that you put together. And so just thank you so much for this is, these are kits that the uh, deputies and policemen take with them and social workers. So when they pull somebody out of a traumatic situation, they have something um, to help them in their immediate needs. And so thank you for being a church. Um, Because I just, that just, Here's what I believe with all my heart. As followers of Jesus, we should be known for our no-strings-attached love and generosity because that's what our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ was known for, right? So thank you so much for being that kind of church, right? Now, because of the generosity of those of you who have made the commitment to be a what we call a priority percentage giver, in other words, meaning you have this weekly, monthly, quarterly, or annual way that you um, support our church, the ministry of our church, um, you're going to help us go the second mile in being a blessing for others today. You've made it possible for us to be for the moms in our church and our community. So when you leave the service today, in the lobby, there is going to be a bouquet buffet. Try saying that real fast, right? A bouquet buffet. So here's what you can do. You can select someone in your family to pick up a bouquet for your mom, right? And if you know of a lady or a mom in the community that would be blessed because nobody else is really going to celebrate them, then you pick up a buffet or a bouquet for that mom as well, right? (laughs) Off of that buffet. Um, And bless them today by showing up with this unexpected, just little surprise to say, hey, we just want to bless you and um, let you know that we're for you and God is for you. So um, if you're here today and you're a mom and you don't have any family with you, will you stop by the buffet, and let one of our team bless you as well with a bouquet, right? 
Yeah, some of y'all should say that at lunch because several times, right? So I just want to say, hey, thank you so much for being a church that helps us show the love of Jesus through the many different expressions of being for that we get to participate in, um, not, not only to be for the community, but for the people in our church as well, right? So let's just celebrate all the moms again. Can we do that one more time? Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. All right, so today is the final part of our uh, series, It Ain't Rocket Surgery, and this whole series of sermons, um, what we've been doing is we have been learning how to simplify our approach to decision-making, especially how to embrace the wisdom and the simplicity of Scripture in our lives when it comes to decision-making. Now, if you find yourself in a situation, we all do it at some point in time, where we don't want to be in that situation or we never expected to be in that situation, what I've discovered over the years when we find ourselves there, in those moments of chaos or crisis, what we tend to do is we tend to overthink. We tend to overcomplicate things in those emotionally charged moments. And what's scary is, is oftentimes we don't realize that those emotionally charged moments when we're trying to make a decision, it will be a defining moment in your life. I mean, it's happened to every one of us where every one of us, we've looked back on our life and we thought, wow, I didn't know it at the time when I was making that decision or I wouldn't have done that or I wouldn't have chosen that. Or if I had chosen that, or if I had done that, my life would be totally different than it is today. And so what we've learned over the past few weeks is, if you're going to consistently make good decisions, if you're going to consistently make wise decisions, mature decisions in every situation you face, you've got to learn to filter all your decisions through a better grid than your heart or what your heart says, or even what's easiest, or what seems to make sense in the moment. You need a process. You need a grid or a filter that no matter how strong the emotion is, no matter how uncertain the situation is that you're facing or how little information is at your disposal in that moment, that you need this filter, you need this guide that will guide you to where you need to be as you're making that decision. A decision that you won't regret farther down the road and look back and go, wow, I wish I'd have never done that. I wish I'd have never chosen that. So for the past few weeks, we looked at some questions that scripture gives us to use as a filter when it comes to making decisions, especially tough ones, especially when they're emotionally charged. The first question we talked about was this question, why do I want to do this really? In other words, I know I'm telling everybody else I'm making this decision, and I know I'm, while I'm telling myself that this is a good idea, but my heart is just way too good at deceiving me, so what's really driving this? What's my real motivation behind this? Am I being completely honest with myself about why I want to do what I want to do? So that was our first question. The second question we said we had to ask ourselves is this, what story do I want to tell? Because every decision you make, it becomes a part of your life story. And the thing that we learned in our second conversation, this series is, you get to decide today what story you're going to tell tomorrow. So even though there's always an emotional pull toward one option that really looks more appealing than another one, or, or you think, you know, I, I like this, I really want this, this is what I want now, 
But is that what you really want later? So what we learned in that conversation is you have to think about the long term, about whether you would be proud to tell that in your story. And then the third question we said we had to ask ourselves is this, is there a tension that needs my attention? Like whenever you're faced with a decision, whenever you're right on the verge of a reaction or an action, there's usually one option that creates some kind of moral or even ethical dilemma. And it may not seem like this big thing, but inside there's just this uneasiness and there's this uncomfortableness and there's this hesitation about it. I mean, we all know what that tension feels like, don't we? We've all been there. And here's the thing, it's so easy to ignore. It's easy, so easy to rationalize and justify away. But if you're gonna make the best decision, you've gotta let that tension grow. You've gotta, what we say, you gotta lean into that tension and let it get really big in your soul. You need to pay attention to that tension and go, is this from God or is this my fear or is this some unrealistic expectation that I want to live out? And once you settle that, then you will know what to do. So don't rush by the tension. Don't try to ignore that tension because that's how you end up with regrets. So take some time to pay attention to the tension. And then last week, he, Gavin Adams, he shared with us the fourth question that we have to ask ourselves, and that is this. The question is, what's the wise thing to do? Literally, in light of my past circumstances, my present reality, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So let me just say and remind you of what Gavin said. To live your life without asking this question as your standard of maturity, because only mature people ask this question, or these questions really, it sets you up for regret and disaster later. See, here's the reality. None of us plan to be careless with our lives, do we? But as we learned last week, when we don't have the, the courage to ask this question and be honest with ourselves about this question, what's the wise thing to do? We become careless with our lives and we justify and rationalize unwise decisions and choices. So I'm just telling you, this question right here, it takes the guesswork out of what we need to do. Now, today, I'm gonna give you the fifth and the final question. But I'm gonna tell you, all of our churches, you need to understand this. This fifth question it doesn't apply to everybody. It only applies to those of us who are followers of Jesus, who believe he's the son of God, that he's the resurrected savior of the world. So if you're with us today and you don't believe that or you're not sure, hey, we are so glad you're here. Or if you're with us today and you're still trying to figure out what you believe, I'm, I'm telling you, today is a perfect day for you to be here because as we go through this conversation today, it's going to help you make sense of why we as followers of Jesus do some of the things that we do. And in the course of this, if you find yourself at any of our churches today, you find yourself nodding your head thinking, yeah, that just makes so much sense. And I do think that's true for me. Then maybe you should go ahead and embrace this question and maybe you should even choose. Today becomes a day when you choose to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Now, before I give you the question, let me set it up this way. Followers of Jesus, they believe that humans were not created 
to hold on to glory and honor for themselves. Let me say that one more time. Followers of Jesus believed that humans were not created to hold on to glory and honor for themselves. In other words, when any form of glory or any form of honor comes our way, followers of Jesus believe that instead of basking in it, you should simply say, thank you, and then pass that glory and honor on to God. Because see, here's the reality. We weren't made, and we aren't even capable, really, of being glory receptors. We were designed to be glory reflectors. Now, I bet you know people, just like I know people, that don't believe that, right? So instead, instead of being a glory reflector, what they do is they grab as much glory as they can possibly get. I mean, it's what I call a person who is an applause addict. Like every time there's a potential spotlight that could shine on them, I mean, they're going to grab it for themselves. In fact, the reason they even say they follow Jesus is to try to get more spotlight and more significance in their life. They have to be the center of of attention, and they think that the whole world should revolve around them, that it's all about them, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, I know some names and faces that are coming to my mind right now. Matter of fact, you might even be sitting beside that person, but don't look right now. Because that's what they want. I just want you to look at them. But seriously, when you are in a relationship with an applause addict, with someone who desires to grab all the glory and hold on all the applause, isn't it frustrating? It is so frustrating. Because what it does is it actually impacts the quality of your relationship with them, doesn't it? Like, whenever a person chooses to hold on applause and glory, it makes them really unattractive. And it even makes them smaller in the eyes of other people. And here's the thing. You may never have thought about why you know this isn't right. But you know that that person who has to be the center of the tension all the time, they're always about getting more and more applause, more and more glory, more and more attention. You know something's wrong with what that person is doing. But as a Christ follower, see, we believe that we were not created to hold on to this glory and this honor for ourselves. And part of the reason we believe that is because, here's what we understand, and don't miss this. We believe that because we believe our ability to succeed and to do things that bring applause, think about it, all those gifts that you have, all those talents that you have, all those abilities that you have, all those things that you physically are able to do, all those opportunities that you have because of your gifts, your talents, abilities, and your physical abilities, We believe they are everyone 100% a gift from God. Without God, it would be impossible for us to do anything that might bring honor and glory or applause to us. So whenever a compliment comes, whenever credit comes our way, we should just say, thank you, 
and then pass or reflect that glory and honor back to God. Because we were created to be reflectors, not receive the glory and the applause. So the fifth question that you should ask whenever you are making a decision, whenever you're about to react, whenever you're about to act in life, you should ask yourself this question. What would be most honoring to God? In that moment, with all the emotions, when you're about to act, when you're about to react, when you're about to make a decision, in that moment, with all the uncertainty, this is the question that brings clarity to the other four questions. What would be most honoring to God? Now, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this a lot. So this morning, I wanna read to you from a couple places where he addresses this. We're gonna find the first one if you follow along in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter six. The other one is gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And the Apostle Paul is writing to Greek Christians living in the city of Corinth. And if you've ever read the issue that we're addressing this morning, I mean, this is what you know about the church at Corinth. They were not making the best decisions. I mean, it was all about their glory and their honor. It was all about them. I mean, these were followers of Jesus who had forgotten this question, what would be most honoring to God? And so they were making choices based solely on what would be most honoring to them, what would get them the most applause, what would get them the most of glory. So the apostle Paul, he asked them this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do you not know implying he thought, well, maybe they don't know based upon how they're living and the decisions that they're making. Notice what he says. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? So he says, hey, as a follower of Jesus, you need to know something. When you become a follower of Jesus, God gives his Holy Spirit to reside in you to guide you, to show you how you should live. So whenever you find yourself facing a tough decision, a tough circumstance, or a situation, and you don't know what to do, he says, you've got help. You have the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and to guide you. He's the one who often creates that tension in you when you're about ready to make a wrong decision. He's the one who always kind of helps you figure out like what your real motive is whenever you're facing that tough decision or you're about to make a decision. Now, for some of you, this is great news for you today. You're going, oh, wow, I have the presence of God in me all the time. So I can have help whenever I need to make a decision. But let's be honest. For many of us, we're not so excited about this. Because see, down deep inside, we don't want to be honest with ourselves about any of these questions. So we're not looking to do what most honors God. So having the Holy Spirit in me all the time, knowing what I'm thinking, knowing what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say, being 24-7 presence, that's just a little bit too much accountability. I would rather grab the applause for myself, thank you very much, and hold on to my honor and glory than to live my life for God's honor and glory. Too many times we find ourselves saying that, don't we? But, but the Apostle Paul says, nope, that's not an option for you as a follower of Jesus. Look what he says next in verse 20. He says, you're not your own. 
You were bought at a price. So the apostle Paul says, hey, just before you blow through that nudge of the spirit of God that he's giving you, where he's prompting you, and you start chasing that applause, and you start chasing that honor, and you start chasing that glory for yourself, he said, let me just remind you about that little event we call the cross. Let, let me remind you that God willingly gave up his own son who was beaten and he bled and he died to pay the penalty for all of your sin. And let me remind you that he's the one who freed you from slavery to your sin nature and gave you the freedom and the grace that you now enjoy in a relationship with him. Let me remind you, if it weren't for him, you wouldn't be who or where you are today with your gifts, your talents, your ability, your skill, and your opportunities. He's saying, listen, you're not your own. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you were purchased at a very high price. And then he continues, he says, therefore, so in light of all of this, that you're not your own, he says, here's how you need to make decisions. And here's, how, here's the filter through which you need to live your life. He says, therefore, honor God with your body. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the apostle Paul says, every time you make a decision, this should be your question. You should say, what would be most honoring to God? Because you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Now, the apostle Paul, he gave the Corinthians this principle in the context of addressing some sexual decisions that they were making. I mean, think about it this way. How much different would things be in your life if you filtered all your sexual decisions that you've ever made or currently making or decisions that you'll make in the future through this lens of what would be most honoring to God? I mean, if, if that question had driven your decisions, especially in the realm of sexual morality, wouldn't you have fewer regrets? I mean, you would have fewer issues to work through with your spouse or even your future spouse. You, you'd have done a lot less damage to your ability to experience intimacy where it matters most in your marriage relationship. I'm telling you, this is a powerful question whenever you're making decisions. But here's the thing, it doesn't just apply to sex. Four chapters later, the apostle Paul, he broadens the scope of this when he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, if you under underline that, if you're taking notes of your Bible, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, there's no such thing as a non-spiritual decision or an action because every decision you make is an opportunity to grab the glory for yourself or to reflect it to God. I mean, the things you eat and the choices you make regarding your health, he says, they're either honoring to God or dishonoring to him because he made your body. His spirit is in you. And he uses your body as his temple. The choices that you make as a single adult in your dating relationship, your friendships and your recreational activities, they either bring applause to you or applause to God. The decisions that you make parenting are either honoring to God or they're dishonoring to God. He's even saying that your career isn't a spiritually neutral arena of your life 
every career decision will either give God glory or they'll push the glory your way. Listen, this is why this question, what would be most honoring to God? It is so powerful and it's why it is so dangerous because it takes you way past the minimal standard. You just can't say, well, is it right or is it legal or is it okay that I'll do it? No, no, no. You are living by a much higher standard. You wake up every day realizing, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. Therefore, I need to glorify God in everything I do. So instead of getting up in the morning and saying, God, I don't want to go back to that work because they never, they never give me enough affirmation. They never applaud me enough. They never give me enough glory and honor. I mean, after all the things that I do for them, you wake up in the morning and you say, God, thank you for giving me the ability, the talents, the gifts, the opportunity, the skill that I have. I'm going to use it to glorify you no matter whether I get any credit or not. Listen, this question will push you to becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus in everything that you do. And yes, it's a very scary question to ask because you're gonna have to discard some bad attitudes. You're gonna have to discard some resentments because you're mad at people and angry at people because they're not giving you enough honor and they're not giving you enough glory and they're not giving you enough praise because you think you deserve more. You think God made you to be a glory receptor and God says, oh no, I made you to be a glory reflector. And when you understand that, it's gonna cause you to step into things that are uncomfortable for you and you're gonna to have to learn to be a servant and you're gonna to have to sacrifice and you're gonna to have to learn to pick up the towel and wash other people's feet. But you have to decide whose applause you're really gonna live for for the rest of your life. Listen, this question right here is why people turn down more money in order to be able to spend more time with their family. It's why people reduce their standard of living so that they can give more away. It's why they turn down big promotions that will require them to move because they don't wanna leave their church community that is helping them to grow and supporting them. It's why couples decide to fight for their marriage instead of give in to divorce. It's why single adults fight for their purity because they decided sex isn't for mature people, it's for married people. It's why people who have been hurt deeply by the church or by other people choose to forgive, and it's why people respond to hate with love. Now, now here's what I know. We don't always ask this question. So therefore, it doesn't always happen. The response doesn't always happen that way. But whenever a follower of Jesus makes a decision, say, you know what? God, what would be most honoring to you? And I'm going to make that decision today. Changes everything. Listen, this is probably the most dangerous question that you could ask. But I'm telling you today, don't avoid this question. Because this is the question that is gonna lead you out of a life that is no bigger than you, a life that has no purpose and no meaning and no significance into a life that has true meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and significance. 
See, this is the question that draws you away from hyper-independence. It's all about me. This is the question that draws you away from all this self-reliance. It's all about me. And this is the question that turns you to honoring and trusting your heavenly Father. And listen, it's this kind of question that is gonna call you and help you to live a life that is fully surrendered to God. See, the truth is, everybody is gonna live for somebody's glory. You may have never thought about it that way, but everybody does. And I hate to tell you, but your glory is way too small to live for. The applause of this world is way too cheap and it's too fleeting for you to hold on to for yourself. It will not last. Listen, your spouse, your parents, your children, your boss, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, the people in your school, your teacher, there is no person that can ever give you enough applause or glory because you weren't made to be a glory receptor. You were made to be a glory reflector. And grasping for and trying to hold on to this applaud thing, can I tell you what it does? It only hurts you and those around you. It only makes you small and unattractive to other people and it leads you to waste your life. You weren't created to receive this. You were created to reflect it to the one who gave you the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the skill, the opportunity. You were created to reflect it to the one who does deserve it, the one who gave you the life that you were created to live. So here's our challenge for you. For the next five days, would you factor this question, what would be most honoring to God, into every decision? Would you do that? Would you at least ask this question before you make a decision? Because see, I, I'm certain if you make a genuine attempt to ask this question before every decision that you make, you're gonna discover life gets so much better. Your relationships get so much better. And just maybe, just maybe, you'll choose to keep asking this question from this day forward. And then you'll begin to experience the life that you've always wanted, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the significance that you've always desired. So here's my question. Will you today choose to say, God, I'm not going to live for applause anymore. Today, I just want you to use me however you want to use me from this day forward. Listen, over and over again, you're gonna find yourself facing decisions that you never saw coming. Decisions that you never wanted to make in your life. Decisions that are gonna decide what the rest of your life is like. And I'm telling you, you can either decide that I'm gonna make a decision 
that's going to be all about my glory and my honor and get me more applause. And I can promise you at the end of your life, you're going to regret so many of those decisions. Or you can say, God, I surrender all. Use me. And I promise you, it'll lead to a life of fulfillment. This question is the one that brings all the other questions together. In fact, these five questions, I'm telling you, you owe it to yourself to at least explore the idea of each one of these questions. Why do I want to do this really? Because that's about your motive. The second question is, what story do I want to tell? Because that's about getting perspective, long-term perspective when you're making a decision. And then, is there any tension that needs my attention? This is the caution question. And then, what's the wise thing to do? That's the maturity question. And then the last question is, what would be most honoring to God? Because this is what leads you to a life of purpose. Now, here's the thing. When we're asking all five questions, here's what I can promise you. When you're asking these questions before any decision you're making, any action you're about to take, or any reaction you have, you can know that your heart is where it needs to be to move forward and to follow and honor God. Now, today what I wanna do is I wanna help all of us to step into these questions. I want us to step into this commitment of saying, God, what is the most honoring thing that I can do? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us, all of our churches in just a moment, and then the bands are gonna come out on all of our churches and they're gonna lead us in a zone. And for many of you, this may be a moment when you need to kneel at your seat as just a sign of surrender to Jesus, to saying, Jesus, I'm done with the applause sign. I'm done trying to hold this sign up and get everybody to applaud me. And I'm done being mad at everybody because I'm not getting enough applause in life. And I just want God for you to use me. So I surrender to you. So maybe for some of you, you just need to kneel right there where you're sitting or maybe you need to step out and come to the front and just kneel before God. And you might say, well, man, that's gonna be really kind of awkward, isn't it? I mean, especially if you're kind of new to church. And I know it could feel awkward, but here's what I know. The thing that moves the heart of God is when we move toward the heart of God. And here's what I know. If you don't take some action step today before you walk out of here, you're gonna walk out of here and you're gonna forget all of this. That's why we're asking you to make a step of commitment. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to honor Jesus with your life, you've never said, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior, then you can kneel as well as an act of surrender, saying, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I have been living for applause all my life, and now I just want you to use me, so forgive me of all my sin. and Be my Lord, my leader, and my king. So I'm gonna pray for us. And then some of you got decisions to make. Will you commit to live your life to honor Jesus for the rest of your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity this morning that we all have to experience life abundant, to experience a life that is beyond anything that most of us have experienced to this point in our life. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the truth that we've looked at from your word today through the Apostle Paul that we were not made to be glory and honor receptors. We were made to be glory and honor reflectors. And so today, I pray that as the bands lead us in this song of commitment, 
God, as we kneel before you in surrender, God, we're holding up our sign saying, use me. You gave me the gifts. You gave me the talents. You gave me the ability. You gave me the skill. You've opened up the door of opportunity. So use me. And every time I get some applause or credit or glory or honor, I'm going to reflect it back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for how we're gonna find fulfillment and purpose and meaning when we quit living for applause, but we start living for your glory. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen.